Adoniram Judson was the first Baptist foreign missionary sent out from America. He lived and worked in Burma for over 45 years. Today we will get a glimpse of Adoniram's early years and his miraculous conversion. At his preparations for the ministry, his marriage, and his missionary efforts. Adoniram Judson was born on the 9th of August in the year 1788, just one year after the signing of the United States Constitution. His parents, Adoniram and Abigail Judson, lived in the town of Malden, Massachusetts. As a small child, Adoniram showed an unusually active mind. His father often said he thought that Adoniram would do great things. At the age of three, Adoniram could read, and he was already leading the neighborhood children in worship at the age of four. Books fascinated Adoniram. He loved arithmetic puzzles, and theology intrigued him. When he attended the local grammar school, he was noted for his fluency in Greek, and his schoolmates nicknamed him Virgil after the famous Latin poet. One day, Adoniram's ability with languages would save his life and bring the light of the gospel to hundreds of people far away. When Adoniram was 16, he traveled to Rhode Island College in Providence, Rhode Island, to begin four years of studies. During the entrance exams, however, Adoniram's outstanding grades sent him into the sophomore class. He finished college in three years instead of four. While at college, Judson met a young man named Jacob Eames, and they soon became close friends. One author described Eames as amiable, talented, witty, exceedingly agreeable in person and manners. But Eames was a self-proclaimed deist. Due to the influence of French philosophers, it was becoming a fad in those days to question religious convictions. And with Eames' encouragement, Judson was quickly convinced to follow the crowd. At the age of 19, Judson announced his new beliefs to his parents. I don't believe in heaven or hell or your God, he wrote. I'm a deist, and I've been so for three years. His mother pled with him. His father stormed and debated in vain. Judson started a tour of the northern states, living under an alias, and began acting in theaters. Of this time, he later wrote, We lived a reckless, vagabond life, finding lodgings where we could, and cheating the landlord where we found opportunity. But God had other plans. Job says, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. God did not intend that Judson waste his life in pursuing the world. And in God's providence, something occurred to shake Judson's self-conceit and change his life. After wandering for some time, Judson decided to visit his uncle in the town of Sheffield, where he had left his horse for safekeeping. When he arrived, he found that his uncle had gone away on business. Another young man was taking care of the house. Judson was struck by the man's manner and conversation. He was not only an intelligent Christian, he was a joyful Christian. Thoughtful, Judson rode on towards home. One night he stopped at an inn. The harried innkeeper gave him the only available bed which was separated by a sheet from a man who was deathly ill. Judson expected to sleep well, but the groans and cries of the dying man kept him miserably awake, and he began to feel discouraged with his own life. But Judson chided himself. What would his friend Eves think if he could hear of his foolish doubts? 
In the morning, he came down and inquired after the man's health. He died in the night, said the landlord. Judson was rather startled. Do you know who he was, he asked. Oh, yes, said the landlord. It was a young man from Providence College, a very fine fellow. His name was Eames. Judson returned home, his mind reeling with questions. His interest in Christianity increased, but he still hesitated because the persuasion of his college friends had left doubts in his mind. Eventually, two Christian professors invited him to enter the Theological Institute of Andover and study Christianity more deeply. After weeks of searching for answers, Adoniram Judson committed himself to the Lord on December 2, 1808. His new life had begun. Adoniram Judson needed a wife, and God had a plan for that too. At this time, Anne Hasseltine was 18 years old. Anne was saved in 1806 during the Great Awakening. She lived with her family in Bradford, Massachusetts. In 1809, Judson joined the Congregationalist Church where his father was a minister. Not long after, Judson discovered a tract detailing William Carey's work in India, and in 1810 he read a book called An Act of an Embassy to the Kingdom of Ava. Stirred by the description of the Burmese heathen, Judson realized the need for missionaries. Judson, along with other young men, began to meet to pray for the world and commit to missionary work. In June 28, 1810, they helped to establish the first American Missionary Society in a meeting in Bradford, Massachusetts. At lunch that day, Judson met Anne Hasseltine for the first time in his life. Just one month later, he wrote to Anne's father this remarkable letter. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure for a heathen land, her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and for the glory of God. Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from the heathens saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? Anne's father replied that Anne must decide for herself. After much prayer and advice, Anne said yes. On January 11, 1811, Judson set sail for England as a representative of the American Missionary Society to ask help from the London Missionary Society there. During the journey, a French privateer took a fancy to the English vessel and captured her. Judson and the sailors were locked into the ship's hold in dark, filthy conditions, and Judson was terribly seasick. His grandson and biographer later wrote, It seemed to Judson that God had permitted his capture and all his trouble as a trial of his faith, and he resolved in the strength of God 
to bear it as he might be called upon to bear similar trials thereafter. Judson found his Hebrew Bible and passed the time trying to translate it into Latin. One day the French ship's doctor came down to visit some of the sick sailors and noticed Judson's Latin writing. Speaking in Latin, Judson managed to explain that he was American, not English, and the doctor moved him into a cabin above decks with meals at the captain's table. This was a great relief. But when the ship arrived in Bayonne, France, Judson was led to prison with the other men. Frantic, he began to shout in English, hoping that someone might understand. An American officer heard him and told him to keep quiet and promised to bring help if he could. When Judson was thrown into prison with the other men, the officer came to visit, and Judson snuck out concealed under the officer's huge military cloak. After a long and uncomfortable journey, Judson finally reached London in May of 1811. But the London Missionary Society, while they encouraged the American missions, suggested that the two had better work separately. Judson had to return home to America at last on August the 7th. In September, Judson was appointed one of America's first foreign missionaries. He was one of five. His four friends, Samuel Knott, Samuel Newell, Gordon Hall, and Luther Rice were also ordained. Adoniram Judson married Anne Hasseltine on February 5, 1812. Anne later wrote, I find Mr. Judson one of the kindest, most faithful, and most affectionate of husbands, and brightens my hope of a happy eternity. I hope God will make us instrumental in preparing each other for usefulness in this world and greater happiness in a future world. Thirteen days after their wedding, the Judsons sailed for Calcutta, India, with their friends and fellow missionaries Samuel and Harriet Newell. While on board ship, Judson devoted his time to studying baptism. A Baptist minister in America had recently written a pamphlet addressing the subject, and Judson, a stout Peta Baptist, wanted to read up on his scripture to answer the minister's arguments. But after days of study, Judson became a Baptist himself. Anne protested warmly. She was unconvinced. I tried to have him give it up, she wrote, and rest satisfied in his old sentiments and frequently told him, if he became a Baptist, I would not. He, however, said it was his duty to examine closely a subject on which he had so many doubts. But as a result of his change of mind, Anne began to have doubts herself. She, too, began to pray and study the scriptures. Before the voyage ended, she had given in gracefully. She wrote to a friend later, Thus, my dear Nancy, we are confirmed Baptists, not because we wish to be, but because truth compelled us to be. In June of 1811, the Judsons and their friends reached Calcutta, India. At first, the two women stayed on board while Judson and Samuel Newell landed and visited the office of the East India Company. The East India Company, a British merchant firm, virtually controlled much of India, and one author wrote of them at the time, They are violently opposed to missions and have barely given liberty to their own countrymen to settle as preachers. Despite Judson and Newell's pleas and protests, they at first refused to allow the missionaries on shore. After six days of frustration, the Judsons and the Newells finally managed to disembark, 
and stay at the home of the British Baptist missionary, William Carey. At the time, India's main religion was Hinduism, with a small Muslim minority. The Judsons soon discovered that most of the Indian people worshipped dozens of idols, and their feasts, sacrifices, and penances were hideous, and described one celebration called Juggernaut. The natives set their idol on the top of a stone building. He is only a lump of wood. His face is painted with black eyes and a large red mouth. He is taken from his temple and water poured on him to bathe him. After these poor deluded creatures had bathed their god, they proceeded to bathe themselves. On September 6, 1812, Adoniram and Anne were baptized by William Ward. Ward was a printer who had come from England to assist William Carey's ministry. Because the Judsons were now Baptists, they had to send their resignation to their Congregationalist Missionary Society. They then offered their services, by letter, to the American Baptist churches with a recommendation from William Carey. Soon the East India Company lost patience and ordered the Judsons out of India. Along with the Newells and the newly arrived missionary Luther Rice, they chose to relocate to the Isle of France, also known as Mauritius. Here you can see Mauritius on the map. The Newells sailed first, while the Judsons followed, arriving in January 1813. Anne was devastated to learn that Harriet Newell, her friend since childhood, had lost her baby at birth and died a day or two later. Although Samuel Newell and the Judsons were still friends, Newell was still a Congregationalist, and he left to locate the other missionaries from the original society. Luther Rice, however, had also become a Baptist. Unfortunately, he became ill, and the doctor prescribed a cooler climate as his only chance of recovery, and he returned to America to raise support for the Judsons. Adnaram and Anne remained in Mauritius alone. The Judsons returned to Madras, India, but once again officials threatened to deport the Judsons to England. In desperation, Adnaram searched the docks for a ship destined for another location. He found one destined for Burma. At first, Anne and Adnaram hesitated. The Burmese were reportedly a squalid nation ruled by an unpredictable tyrant. But Adnaram thought that this might be the opportunity for the gospel that they had been looking for. They decided to go. Felix Carey, William Carey's son, and his wife were living in Burma already although they were not permitted to conduct any formal missionary work, and the Judsons decided to visit them. They took ship for Burma, and on the journey, Anne gave birth to a stillborn child. When they arrived in Rangoon, Burma, Anne was weak and ill. In the Carey's home, however, she began to recover, and the Judsons began Burmese language studies with a Hindu teacher. Felix Carey and his family left Rangoon soon after the Judsons arrived, and they kindly left their house to the Judsons. It had been built by William Chatter, the first missionary to Burma. 
He had left Felix Carey in charge a few years before. In God's providence, for several years, the Judsons worked alone. Felix Carey's wife and children were tragically drowned during their travel to Rangoon, and Felix Carey never fully recovered and did not return. In 1814, the Judsons began to make progress. Luther Rice had worked ardently in America, and the Baptist churches there formed a National Missionary Society. Many churches gladly supported the Judsons' work. On September 15th, Anne gave birth to Roger Williams Judson, and by December of that year, Adoniram and Anne were both fluent in Burmese. Baby Roger died in May 1816. Adoniram and Anne were stunned. Anne wrote, We do not feel a disposition to murmur or to inquire of our Savior why he has done this, we wish, rather, to sit down submissively under the rod and bear the smart till the end for which the affliction was sent shall be accomplished. The wife of the Burmese viceroy came to visit Anne and took the Judsons for elephant rides into the forest, hoping to distract them from their grief. Anne's friendship with the viceroy's wife saved Adnarm's life later on. The Judsons threw themselves into their work. Adoniram printed a dictionary, and Anne wrote a children's catechism in Burmese. In March 1817, a Burmese man read some of their tracts and came to ask Adoniram about Christ. In May, Adoniram had completed the Gospel of Matthew. In December of the same year, Judson sailed for India to find a Burmese-speaking assistant. His ship, however, never managed to reach India, blown off course by wind, and Anne thought that he was dead. Anne, pressed to leave Burma for fear of war, refused to give up, and in July 1818, Adoniram finally returned. The next year, Adoniram and Anne built their first Zayat, which is a small tent used for philosophical discussion with Buddhist priests. This is a picture of a modern-day Zayat, and during the time of the Judsons, Zayats were built along the road to the Great Pagoda, and people would stop at these to rest or to enter into philosophical discussion with the Buddhist priests. The Judsons decided to build their own Zayat and hold public worship there. On April 30th, Mong Nao visited their Zayat. He became the first Burmese Christian. Mong Nao said, in our religion, there is no way to escape the punishment due to sin. But according to the religion of Christ, he himself has died in order to deliver his disciples. I wish all Burmese would become his disciples. Then we should meet together as you do in your country. Then we should all be happy together in heaven. How great are my thanks to Jesus Christ for sending teachers to this country, and how great are my thanks to the teachers for coming. Had they never come and built that Zayat, I should never have heard of Christ and the true God. I mourn that so much of my life passed away before I heard of this religion, how much I have lost. Despite the increasing cruelty toward non-Buddhists of the Burmese officials, on November 7, 1819, two more Burmese Christians were baptized. Anne described the meeting. About half an hour before sunset, the two candidates came to the Zayat 
accompanied by three or four friends, and after a short prayer we proceeded to the spot where Mong Nao was formerly baptized. The sun was not allowed to look upon the humble, timid profession. No wondering crowd crowned the overshadowing hill. No hymn of praise expressed the exulting feelings of joyous hearts. Stillness and solemnity pervaded the scene. We felt on the banks of the water the little, feeble, solitary band. Two days later, the first Burmese prayer meeting was held, and by mid-July of 1820, there were ten Burmese Christians. The work was spreading. On January 27, 1820, Adoniram providentially obtained an audience with the King of Burma. He took the opportunity to plead for religious freedom and offered the king some tracts. Unfortunately, the king was cranky as well as wicked, and he threw Judson's tracts on the ground. In the summer of 1821, Anne grew very ill. The Judsons decided that she should return to America for two years to be treated by Adoniram's younger brother, Elnathan, who was a physician there. Meanwhile, Adoniram carried on the work in Burma. He wrote gloomily of the parting with Anne, I feel as if I was on the scaffold, and signing, as it were, my own death warrant. However, two years will pass away at last. Time and tide wait for no man, heedless alike of our joys and sorrows. Thankfully, Dr. Jonathan Price and his wife Hope arrived in December to help Judson. Jonathan Price was a skilled doctor and became famous for his cataract operations. In May 1822, Mrs. Price died, but the Burmese king ordered Jonathan Price to Ava on September 1822 to satisfy his royal curiosity. Price did not know enough Burmese to travel without an interpreter, so Judson accompanied him and, as a result, he was permitted to preach before the king. Price and Judson remained in Ava for some time at the king's command. At last, Adnaram returned home to Rangoon, where, after over two years, Anne returned in December of 1823. Adnaram was excited about the king's increased interest in Price and himself, and he decided that the Judsons would move to Ava and join Dr. Price. On March 5, 1824, Burma declared war on Great Britain. The British civilians in Burma were thrown into prison. The Burmese officials did not readily distinguish between British and American people, and although the Americans, like the Judsons, were unharmed for a short time, they soon fell under the displeasure of the unpredictable monarch. One morning in early June 1824, as Adoniram and Anne were eating breakfast, they heard an uproar outside the house. A group of savage-looking Burmese jailers burst into the room, announcing that Adnaram was under arrest. As they tied him and dragged him away, a terrified Anne offered them money, but they threatened to carry her off as well. Adnaram was shackled and thrown into prison. Frantic, Anne visited the town authorities to plead for her husband's release. Adnarm was in the infamous death prison run by some of Burma's worst criminals. He was crammed into a stuffy, filthy cell with a horde of other prisoners. Because the prisoners starved unless their relations brought them food, Anne and her two faithful servants worked together to cook Adnarm's meals. The Burmese governor refused to let Adnarm free. Through money and persuasion, Anne managed to move Adnarm and a few of his friends out of their cell and into the prison courtyard, 
where she had a bamboo shed built for them. Each day, Anne trekked two miles in the blazing sun to the prison with supplies and talked to the guards and asked them to let her in. Sometimes the guards refused to admit her, and Adnarm had to go hungry. During this time, Anne also managed to smuggle Adnarm's Burmese New Testament into the prison, sewn into a lumpy pillow. Adnarm kept it with him in his bamboo shed. Anne, pregnant and exhausted, visited and revisited the influential citizens, wrote petitions and pled over and over with the Burmese governor, but all to no avail. The governor was an elderly man and took a fatherly interest in her. He did all he dared, but the king of Burma had commanded that Adnarm be put to death. At one point the governor even locked Adnarm up in the inner prison to keep him safe. An order came for Adnarm and his friends to be transferred to Ung Pen La on May 2, 1825. As jailers roped the prisoners together, Adnarm saw men destroying the shed that Anne had built for him. Someone threw the lumpy pillow, with the New Testament inside it, into the garbage heap. Adnarm was helpless to stop them. A military officer marched the prisoners in ragged lines toward Umpen La. The summer heat of Burma, reaching incredible degrees of heat, made the trek almost murderous. Barefoot, ill and half-starved, Adnarm could hardly walk, and before they had traveled far his feet were covered with bleeding blisters from the searing heat of the road. When they reached Umpen La the next day, he dropped to the floor of his cell unconscious. Meanwhile, Anne with her new baby Maria and her two servants found a cart to follow Adnarm's trail. One of the servants, Mong In, stayed at the Judson home to protect their belongings. The other, a Bengali cook, accompanied Anne, baby Maria, and two adopted Burmese girls. After a jolting cart ride in the boiling sun, they at last found Adnarm's new prison and Adnarm in it, desperately ill and delirious. Anne set to work directly. She appears to have possessed the art of persuasion to an uncommon degree. She convinced one of Adnarm's jailers to lend her one room of his house. The day after her arrival, however, one of her little Burmese girls caught smallpox. Before long, Maria also contracted the disease. The Bengali cook worked tirelessly beside Anne, cooking Adnarm's meals and trudging miles to bring wood and water, and Adnarm and the children recovered slowly. But Anne had no time to rejoice. Her frail health had held up marvelously well during these grueling months, but now she too felt seriously ill. Desperate, she took a cart ride back to Ava to get the medicine chest that she had stored with the kind-hearted governor, but by the time she obtained it and returned home, she was almost beyond recovery. For weeks, she was confined to a mat on the floor while the Bengali cook worked alone, cooking Adnarm's meals and tending Anne. From time to time, the jailers allowed Adnarm to walk the streets in chains, begging milk for baby Maria. Anne was too ill to feed her. At last, on November 5, 1825, Adnarm was ordered to Ava to help to translate a treaty. The Burmese had made peace with Britain. The Judsons finally returned to their home to spend a day together before Adnarm was packed off to work in Maloon for the Burmese. While at home, Adnarm discovered that his Burmese New Testament was safe. Mong Ying, the servant who had remained to take care of their house, had found the dingy pillow in the prison garbage heap 
and recognized it as Adoniram's. Wanting a relic of his friend, he had brought it home to wash, but it was strangely lumpy. Monging had ripped it open and found the testament safe inside. The Judsons relocated to safety behind British lines at Amherst on July 2, 1826. Later on, they moved back to Ava, where Adoniram helped translate yet another treaty. The British promised to try and persuade the Burmese government to allow religious freedom. The Judsons returned to their home in Rangoon in 1826, but their joy was short-lived. Anne died on October 1826, while Adoniram was away on business. He wrote to his mother, I will not trouble you, my dear mother, with an account of my own private feelings. The bitter, heart-rending anguish which for some days would not admit of mitigation and the comfort which the gospel subsequently afforded, the gospel of Jesus Christ which brings life and immortality to light. Adnarm left little Maria Judson in care of his fellow missionaries, the Wades, and plunged into his translating work in a desperate attempt to distract his mind. But Maria died six months after Anne. Not long after, Adnarm received word that his father had also died. Then his brother El Nathan died, and soon El Nathan's widow and child passed away. Under the weight of so much grief, Adnarm slipped into depression for several years. He moved to a hut in the jungle alone. In 1830, however, God brought new missionaries to encourage Adnarm. A printer, Cephas Bennett, and his family arrived to help with the mission work, and Adnarm took up his work again with some of his old zest returning. He recommenced the translation of the Old Testament and relocated to Malmin to pastor Burmese Christians there. In January 1834, he finished translating the entire Bible into Burmese. Cephas Bennett printed 10,000 tracts, and Adnaram passed them out at a festival in Rangoon. As a result, 6,000 inquirers came to the mission house to discuss their findings. When Adnaram and Anne had first arrived in Burma, nine years had elapsed before the Lord saved the first Burmese man. Now, in one year, the missionaries baptized 217 people. By 1831, 240 native Burmese had come to Christ, and 113 foreigners were saved as well. On April 10, 1834, Adnaram married missionary Sarah Boardman. Sarah had come out to Burma several years earlier, and Adnaram had written her in sympathy after the death of her husband. Together, Adnaram and Sarah had eight children, and they lived and worked happily for some years, although Sarah suffered from illness. After a while, they moved to Sarampore in India, where their son, little Henry, died. Leaving three younger children in the care of missionary friends, Adnaram and Sarah, and their three eldest, sailed for America on April 26, 1845, hoping that the voyage would improve Sarah's health. They arrived on the island of St. Helena in August, but Sarah passed away on September 1st. Adnaram later learned that one of their younger children, Charles, had died in Serampore a month before. To Adnaram's amazement, he returned to America as a national hero. Thousands of people had read about him and Anne, and were eager to learn more about the Burmese missionary efforts. Adnaram's busy schedule helped him to recover from his sorrow, and he left his three eldest children in safe hands with his sister Abigail. Later, on a preaching trip, 
Adoniram read a book by a woman named Emily Chubbuck. Impressed with her work, he asked her to write a biography of his wife Sarah. Surprisingly, Emily had heard about Ann Judson and baby Maria when she was a child and had been interested in missions for years. She was largely self-taught and had turned to teaching and writing in order to support her needy parents. As Emily and Adoniram worked together over the biography, they learned more about each other, and in June 1846 they married and returned to Maulmain, Burma, with Adoniram and Sarah's two younger children. In December of the following year they had a daughter, Emily Frances. Adoniram completed his Burmese Dictionary in January 1849. The same year, both Adoniram and Emily fell ill. Adoniram was forced to leave his pregnant wife behind in April to sail to America, a last desperate attempt to recover his health. But he passed away on April 12, 1850, and was buried at sea. A little over a week later, Emily gave birth to Charles Judson, who died at birth. Emily returned to America with the three children in 1851 and helped Dr. Francis Whalen to write Adoniram's biography. She later died in 1854 from tuberculosis. Although Adoniram, Anne, Sarah, and Emily Judson had gone home, their surviving children grew and prospered. One became a doctor and several became pastors. And in Burma, the fire in the little church burned brighter. Folklore of Burma's ethnic Karen tells of a golden book given to them by God. The book was either lost or destroyed, but prophecy foretold of a day in the future when a white brother would come and reunite them with a copy of the book and the one true God. That prophecy was fulfilled July 13, 1813, when American Baptist missionary Adoniram Judson and his wife Anne arrived in Rangoon. The Buddhists and animists of Burma resisted the gospel. Judson didn't win his first convert until six years later. Pastor Mong of the Judson Baptist Church of Ong Pinle explains why. Most people feared losing their jobs and they were not willing to get away from the Buddhist and cultural tradition. They didn't want to abandon their deeply rooted traditions. Judson was jailed in June 1824 after war broke out between Burma and Britain. He was confined to a prison that used to stand on this site in Ava. An ancient guard tower still overlooks the area. Judson and other foreigners were held captive in shackles, suspected of spying for the British. Judson wrote about his prison sufferings, saying he would gladly consign them to oblivion. Burmese Christians built a monument right here. It stood about this high. It was to commemorate the time that Judson spent in prison. This was the site of his first imprisonment. But in the early 1990s, government officials tore it down. But throughout the years, numerous Burmese governments, including the current military regime, have failed to stop the advancement of Christianity and Judson's legacy. Judson endured a grueling six-month journey after being released from the first prison. He was brought to the second prison on this site here in Mandalay. Today, it is home to the Judson Baptist Church. Judson was held captive for a total of 21 months. Perhaps his greatest accomplishment after his release was translating the first Burmese language Bible, 
Initial copies were printed in October 1840. One is housed here in Ong Pinlay at the Judson Baptist Church. Pastor Mong is determined to see that Judson's legacy lives on. We need to know and understand the life of Judson and how he persevered because of the gospel. And secondly, we need to learn from him the way he lived, the way he shared the gospel. Please pray that we should lead the way and please pray for this church also. It has a good legacy in the history of Burmese Christians and those who are doing ministry around the remote area of the country. Pray for them too. Evangelists working to assure that seeds planted by Judson nearly 200 years ago continue growing and bearing fruit for generations to come. Gary Lane, CBN News, Mandalay, Burma. There are Christians today in Burma and they read the scriptures from a translation completed by Adoniram Judson 179 years before. Today there's lasting fruit from Adoniram and Anne's work and the rest of the Christians who helped him. He completed an entire translation of the scriptures into the Burmese language that's still in use today. He completed an English-Burmese dictionary that's still in use today. And in Burma, today, there are over 6,450 churches and several million Christians. We recently corresponded with a Christian pastor in Burma named Pastor Tai Lo. He wrote a glowing report about the continued work in Burma and the results of Adoniram Judson's labors. He said, Christianity in Myanmar, modern-day Burma, began with the Judsons. His blood is the seed of the Myanmar churches. He also said, Adoniram's humbleness, steadfastness, patience, perseverance, and boldness are good lessons for us. He was never afraid of imprisonment or even death for the sake of Christ. We should thank God for the life of Adoniram Judson. He inspired many and was used by the Lord to convert many to Christianity. Although his labors were long ago, they still have a result today, and there are still Christians in Burma who are continuing that work. We should pray for the Christians in Burma and the church there. Let us remember, it is always the Lord who gives the increase. The scripture says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. The scripture also says, If anyone's work which he has built, endures, he will receive a reward.